Puck far wing to Oshie, who will carry it in. Right side, centered to Strom, and a shot attempt. Rebound, Ovechkin scores! It's a two-goal night for Alex Ovechkin! His 16th of the year! Goal 8-38, and the Capitals have a 6-2 lead! John, John Walton, Caps Radio Network. Uh, Ovechkin, eight goals in his last eight games. He had eight goals in his first 43 games of the year. His 16 goals are now third on the team behind Strom and Mantha. And the Caps are on a two-game win streak. Tonight they are in Tampa to take on the Lightning. Uh, their schedule gets a little bit tougher here after the good wins over uh, Montreal, and then a big win over New Jersey the other night. Six goals uh, for the Caps in that one as they try to work their way back into playoff contention. Joining us right now, courtesy of our BetQL guest hotline, Bet Smarter, Beat the Books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. Is our good friend Ben Raby as part of the Caps pregame, in-game, post-game on the Caps radio network. You can follow, follow Ben on X on Twitter at Ben Raby 31. So what kind of precipitated, what prompted this run from Ovechkin? Because it seemed like this was not in the offing two and a half weeks ago. Yeah. And good to be with you, Kevin, again. Uh, I think a couple of things, number one, the eight goals in 43 games to begin the year, at some point, there was a sense he would turn the corner eventually. Did any of us predict he would be at a goal-a-game pace here, eight goals over eight over these last couple of weeks? The truth probably lies somewhere in the middle, right, as far as what Ovechkin is these days. But a couple of things have worked in his favor. He did take advantage of a lengthy all-star break and bye week and recharge the batteries, et cetera, went overseas. There were widely circulated pictures of him riding camels with his uh, with his family, and he clearly he took his mind off the game. He took his mind off the game. He didn't take part in the All-Star game. It was the first time in his career. He wasn't even, you know, extended an invite to be part of the All-Star game festivities. So he completely turned everything off, recharged, et cetera, came back. The team around him has been playing a little bit better since the All-Star break as well. A different-looking power play unit, which struggled at the start of the year, has been clicking a little bit more consistently of late. Obviously, he's a big part of that. He's had a number of power play goals over this eight-game stretch as well. And he's playing very well on a line now with T.J. Oshie, who's played very well over the past few weeks, and Dylan Strom. So I think a few things have worked in his favor. Is this sustainable, a goal a game pace down the stretch? Probably not to this extent. And again, I think the truth probably lies Somewhere in between the sluggish start you could say that he had to begin the year versus the really hot stretch he's been on over these past couple of weeks. So what I'm hearing from you is that the sluggish start wasn't necessarily a concern for those of you watching, that you thought he would break out of it, you thought he would look more like Alex Ovechkin, not eight goals in eight games, but that it wasn't necessarily a sign of decline. I wouldn't go that far, Kevin. I'll I'll say the days of him scoring 40, 50 goals a year could very well be in the rearview mirror. Our antennas have collectively gone up based on what he's shown or at times not shown this season. 
that said, to have eight goals by the time you, you get to mid-January, you know, he at some point a few weeks ago, I believe, was on a 15-16 goal pace. Uh, again, we didn't necessarily think it would be to that extent, if you follow. He's probably going to settle in here the next couple of years. He has two years remaining on his contract, still with the Wayne Gretzky record well within reach. He could settle into a, you know, 25-30, low 30 goal range type of pace again the days of 40 50 plus he scored north of 40 as recently as just last season and i think we've collectively understood based on the play this year there's been a noticeable dip there 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 was especially early on this season um and again the the days of the 40 plus might be in the rearview mirror but that's not to suggest he won't continue to be maybe a 30 goal scorer which is you know nothing to (laughs) nothing to brush aside casually Right, but but I think it's important for those like me who aren't paying attention night in and night out to understand, and, and you'll be able to put it in much better terms in terms of a description, that he's not just out there trying to chase down Gretzky's record. He's a significant player on their team, and if they're going to get back into this in terms of being in the playoff mix, he's significant in 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 making that happen right like this is not a guy so far out of it at the end of his career that he doesn't deserve to have the time on ice that he's getting no no certainly and again a key cog he still plays the full two minutes on on the power play and again you're talking about a 25 30 goal scorer who certainly is worthy of the big minutes and i I should mention as well another thing that contributed to maybe the sluggish start and and some of the challenges he's experienced here that he'll have to continue to adjust is the absence of nicholas backstrom his longtime running mate evgeny kuznetsov when he was in the lineup this year wasn't himself kuznetsov isn't with the team right now and this could be a lengthy absence you know personal reasons player assistance program etc so you're talking about really the two guys who ov has relied on for large stretches of his career, as far as the distributors, the playmaking centermen, et cetera. So again, he's settled in now. He's on a, he's doing well on a line with Dylan Strom and TJ Oshie, but there were certainly factors around him, which may not be changing that also, you know, shouldn't be overlooked when explaining, you know, what, what may have, or what may has contributed to, to a decline this year as well. So what about their, chances here you know I I was thinking you know with Ovechkin's sort of resurgence as a goal scorer here over the last you know two and a half weeks that you know last year there was no Ovechkin in the postseason right now the Ovechkin would not be in the postseason this is something that I would bet the NHL would love to be able to highlight is Washington in a playoff series Alex Ovechkin back in the postseason um what are their chances they've played better of late uh, it would appear that the the goaltender from the other night, Lindgren, is their better yep. chance. Just give me an overall view of the team and what you think their chances of getting back into contention and perhaps snagging one of the two wild cards or or the third place spot in the Metropolitan yeah. are. Yeah, I, I think objectively speaking, those chances are slim. And to your original point about the NHL would probably desire another Ovechkin run in the postseason. You could put Sidney Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins in that exact same conversation. The right. parallels between the two teams are, are are pretty remarkable. Again, Crosby and the Pens missed the playoffs last year. They're even lower than the Capitals in the standings now. The odds of them making the playoffs appear slim as well. But uh, I'll tell you this, that the, the odds, objectively speaking, for the Capitals to make a run, they're probably stacked against them. That said, I'll say just looking short-term here, 
It's a big week for the Capitals. They play starting tonight. They play four games in the next six nights, okay? Four games in the next six nights. Tonight they're in Tampa Bay, one of the teams they're chasing for a wild card spot. They're seven points behind Tampa Bay, but they do have three games in hand. So this tonight in Tampa Bay is an important game. And then this four-game stretch, I'm talking about four games in the next six nights, it culminates next Tuesday in Detroit. The team the Capitals are closest to as far as the playoff cutoff. Detroit is the second wild card spot, and they're six points behind the Red Wings. So those are going to be two pretty big games here within the week, two of the teams they're chasing. I, I think what is difficult in the Capitals' pursuit here of the wild card spot is I referenced they're six back of Detroit, seven back of Tampa Bay. Those point totals aren't necessarily insurmountable, but the problem is you have other teams between the Capitals and the teams they're chasing, the New Jersey Devils the New York Islanders. In other words, you know, you're trying to chase down teams currently in playoff positions, but that's not to suggest the other teams also in the running aren't going to make a, a you know, a climb themselves. So it's, it's competition in addition to the points that need to be made up. So, you know, when they signed Darcy Kemper, I know that there were super high uh, expectations. Um is he just nowhere near as good as Charlie Lindgren? Give me just, you know, a minute on the goaltending situation. Yeah, well, Lindgren's been very good. He's been terrific value. He signed, as far as the salary cap hit, at just over a million a season. He signed as a backup, whereas Darcy Kemper signed $5 million plus for someone to be the undisputed number one. If you look at them as a tandem, Kevin, and you're spending – six and a half million on your two goaltenders collectively they're getting okay value from that they're getting pretty good value from that but that's largely because charlie lindgren is picking up the slack lindgren has largely uh i shouldn't say overachieved but uh you know gone beyond the expectations if you will charlie lindgren has been terrific he came in here as a backup but look when he plays and he's earned more playing time he's earned more starts he doesn't only start the second half of back-to-back like a traditional backup might. He's gotten some some big boy assignments. He had a shutout a couple of weeks ago in Boston, you know, playing the, the league leading at the time, Boston Bruins. So if not for Charlie Lindgren, you know, it's very possible the Capitals would be even further down the standings. He was arguably the team's first half MVP. He's been very good, was very good the other night against New Jersey as well. Um, I think there is an appetite from Darcy Kemper, a Stanley Cup champion in the past. The guy who certainly, again, a big salary cap hit, came in here, was supposed to be the undisputed number one. I think there's an appetite for, for some more consistency there. But if you, if you combine them, in other words, if you just take the goaltending as a whole, uh, the goaltending has been pretty good overall uh, on the season. It's, it's not the reason why they're outside of playoff position of anything, if not for some solid goaltending, they could be even lower down the standings. We're talking to Ben Raby from the Caps Radio Network. So I, I wanted um, – one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show is I, I was looking something up uh, last night um, about this Austin Matthews who's on this mm-hmm. role. He scored his 50th and 51st goals of the season last night. He's chasing Alex Ovechkin's single-season goal mark for this century – um, which is 65 goals. Ovechkin had uh, 65 in 2002, uh, 2007-08. Two, 
And then I looked at the all-time goal scoring in a season list. And Ovechkin's 2007-2008 season was 24th on the list. Gretzky had 92 goals in a season, had 87 goals in a season back in the 80s. So I do know that it was a more free-flowing game and the game was played differently. I didn't realize that the scoring was so much different. Explain why the game today or in this century is so much different than the Gretzky-Lemieux days. Yeah, well, two things quick are just, the goaltending, the goaltending equipment, the amount of net they cover, the athleticism of the goaltending, the goaltending position is far different than it was decades ago. Goaltenders are bigger, they're better, they're more athletic, there's less net to shoot at. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is teams are coached differently. Teams are coached, defensive-minded teams, you know, systems are put in place. You know, it was introduced in the 1990s, the old neutral zone trap. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a more, teams are better structurally, defensively sound, if that makes sense. And scouting reports are better, play, player, players defend and know the opposition better than they did back then. But it's the goaltending and the way teams are coached, the way defensive, if you want to say fundamentals, details are, are more closely emphasized those are two of the biggest reasons the the counterpoint though kevin the the counterpoint that sometimes comes up is that the equipment is also better for the shooters the sticks alex ovechkin uses the sticks austin matthews uses are far superior to the sticks and the equipment and all that that was available decades ago as well but i think when the dust settles you give the edge to the goaltending and the way teams are structured defensively uh there's a lot less uh, that's made available as far as offensive opportunities and scoring chances as compared to uh, back in the day. Not to take that away from the Gretzkys, the Lemieux, the Brett Hulls, the big numbers they all put up, but I would say, Kevin, if you look mid-90s on, I believe Ovechkin's 65 goals since 1994, so the last 30 years, are the highest uh, single-season total. If not number one, it might be number two, but it, it, it's really over the last 30 years that those crazy 70, 80 goal seasons yeah. have gone by the wayside. So, so my, my conclusion for a non-hockey guy was, wow, Ovechkin probably in hockey circles may not be considered the greatest player of, of all time. That's that's Gretzky or Lemieux, et cetera, and you probably have a top you know, five to, to ten list and, and Ovechkin is somewhere on the outside or just barely in it. But in terms of pure goal scorers, given what he's accomplished, the 838 now during this era, yeah. what would Gretzky's numbers have been had he played during the same time frame that Ovechkin played? Well, or conversely, you could ask what would Ovechkin's numbers have been played if he if he was playing right, right. in the '80s and early '90s. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the, I, I agree with you. I get what you're saying. Yes, yeah, so they say era adjusted, era adjusted. His numbers would be would be the best. He'd already be the goal scoring king. And to that point, I, I still believe he's still going to get the 57 goals he needs in this era to pass Gretzky as the all-time goal scorer, so then you don't have to worry about era-adjusted numbers or anything. I think he's going to pass them anyways. But to your point, certainly when you consider factors around both players, the environments, and not to take anything away from Gretzky or anything, but certainly I think when you look at what 
you know, the eras that they're doing it in. Yes, to your point that there there is an argument that could be made. Is he that considered the is, greatest? Is he considered the greatest goal scorer in the history of the game by people inside the game? Gretzky or Ovechkin? Ovechkin. Yeah, I, I, I think so. And I was going to say that the, the crazy thing about Gretzky, and, and we'll throw some verbal bouquets his way here, Kevin. The crazy thing about Gretzky is he's the great. He 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 has the most goals in NHL history. He wasn't even a goal scorer. Like Ovechkin is a goal scorer, right? It's what Ovechkin right. does. A, Gretzky was a playmaker who happened to score the most goals along the way in league history, which is yeah. crazy. But but. Yeah, I think the argument could already be made that Ovechkin is the greatest goal scorer. And I, I do think there are some folks who are starting to recognize, you know, without looking too far ahead, Austin Matthews could maybe one day uh, enter that uh, enter that conversation. I, I, I want to I make a, a real quick, uh, actually, not to go too off topic here, Kevin, just funny talking about the, the difference in, in eras and all that. And we're talking about how defensively it's gone up in hockey over the decades. I noticed recently with the NBA, I'm going off topic. I apologize, Kevin. I noticed recently in the NBA, you'll appreciate this. Go back 20 years ago to 2004, the highest scoring team in the NBA in 2004 would be the lowest scoring team today. Just average points per game. Crazy. I stumbled into that. It was was whatever team it was. It may have been Dallas or Phoenix. The highest scoring NBA team in 04 would be today. The lowest scoring team in the NBA. The lowest so the scoring team right now up. in the NBA is the Memphis Grizzlies, averaging 107.1 points per game. And to to your point, in the 2002, uh, the 04, the Mavericks were the highest scoring team at 105.2. Yeah. It's you know it's a combination of I mean. In the mid-2000s, when they eliminated the hand check and created a more free-flowing game, we got a game that was much more aesthetically pleasing, A, and B, resulted in much higher scoring games. Remember, we had those NBA finals with, like, you know, the Nets and the the Pistons and and, and Spurs, where final scores of games were, like, 80 to 76. Um, But this year, there has been a bump like we haven't seen before. And there's been a lot written about why. Um, But one thing is for sure, we've never seen the skill level from a shot, from a shooting standpoint and from a shot making standpoint ever be higher in the sport. It is from distance. Yeah. Yeah. And it's from distance. It, the the distance of the three-point shot, not the emphasis on the three-point shot, which changed the game, the distance of where they took the three-point shots from and where they take them from now, which really was initiated by Steph Curry, yep. has changed the total geometry of the floor. It's created just this massive floor and middle of the floor that can't be defended. You know, yeah. when you, when you have to extend your defense out to 40 feet or 35 feet, it just changes how much easier it is for offenses to attack. And that's really as much as anything what's changed, along with obviously the rules. There's now a push to bring hand-checking back into the game yeah. uh, and to plus, slow and down and plus, some Kevin, of the number of players who could shoot it from long range. Oh, yeah. No doubt. I mean, I, I, I've heard all the complaints about the All-Star game, whatever. I mean, to me, it's not a game, it's an exhibition. But what, it, what was on display in that exhibition is just some of the highest-skilled basketball players ever. Like, 
I, I'm not, you know, I'm not pushing back on the old man get off my lawn people who say the 1962, you know, NBA Finals are, you know, it was poetry. Um, those guys could play. Don't get me wrong, but there's just it's not just the physical evolution; it's the evolution of skill. The skill level is higher than it has ever been. Shooting, ball handling, everything is just at a level that we've just never seen it before. It's actually, I think, it's fun to watch. But to and, your and point, to, the NBA is the it, flip. Yeah, and, I, and I think to bring it full circle, there, I think there, there's an appetite in the NHL in hockey to have the skill of the high-end players on display even more. There has been an uptick in goal scoring over the past few years, but to what we were saying a few minutes ago, it's not anywhere close to where it was even just as recently as 30 years ago, and I don't think they'll ever get back there because of the goaltending and the coaching and the defensive you know, elements that are in place that weren't uh, decades ago in the case of hockey. Ben Raby, everybody. We'll talk college hoops next time because that's Ben's true passion. Um, But thanks for doing this as always. I'll talk to you soon. We'll be at the ACC tournament. It's a big Tuesday. Can't wait for the 10 versus 15 game. (laughs) Appreciate it, Kevin. (laughs) Yeah, it's in town. Uh, It's just weird to have the ACC tournament in D.C. when Maryland's not in the ACC and no local school is in the ACC. Weird. Uh, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for doing this as always. Ben Raby, everybody. Kevin Sheehan showed the Team 980.